Welcome to Being You 365. My name is Sandra Troutman, and I will be your host on this epic journey of exploring who you are 365 days of the year. The purpose of this podcast is to start a dialogue on being you. Welcome to Being You 365. My name is Sandra Troutman. I am your host, and today is my pleasure to have an honored guest with me today. He is a grandfather of three, married for 43 years, half Ironman and marathoner. He has ran over 30 marathons, completed two half Ironmans and 10 triathlons. Ladies and gentlemen, McKinley Mason. Hey, bro. Hey, what's up, son? How you doing? I'm all right. At home where I'm supposed to be. I know that's right. Being socially conscious. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, I am just so excited to finally have this conversation. I know we've had a long, many conversations before, but I'm glad that I was able to get some time with you and for you to really share your testimony, really share the story of how you are doing so much. I mean, like I said in the intro, you've run over 30 marathons. How did you even fathom to get into marathon running? Uh, actually, it was by accident. It wasn't a plan. When I turned 50 years old, uh, I decided at that time I used to drink a lot. I used to smoke a lot. And, um, and both of my parents died in, in their early 50s. And I kind of wanted to have people say, flip the switch. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to flip the switch, and um, so something told me that, you know, to save my own life, maybe I should try something different than what my parents did, because I drank and smoked like they did a whole lot. And so on my sister's birthday, um, some things happened to me in my life. Uh, some people would look at it as something negative, but I took it as a blessing, and, um, and I was required to give up drinking and smoking, and... I always was a runner, but I only ran two or three miles just to stay healthy uh, by being an Army vet. And uh, but over time, I noticed that my running, uh, my wind, you know, was uh, uh, was increased, and I could run further and further. And I had had some friends that was military folks that had run some marathons, and I thought they were gods, and I looked up to them. And somebody told me one day, just try it. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there and ran a marathon with no training, not knowing nothing. The only thing I had was my heart. 50 years old, um, that marathon was my second fastest time ever. <laughs> so you just got out of bed one day and said, I'm going to run 26.2? Well, I signed up because I always had ran uh, 10K. It was a buddy of mine. His name Rodney Bonner. We used to work together. We always done a 10K in Richmond, one of the largest races in Richmond, other than the Richmond Marathon. So we always done that um, 10K. We always done a 5K at work. Those, those were the only like races I've done. And uh, so he had ran, I think he ran, he ran Richard Marathon and he had ran um, a Marine Corps. And um, and so something just say, you know, when somebody else does something, I was always uh, fascinated. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. And uh, since he ran Richmond, I said, let me try it. And so I signed up for it and... I, I, I ran Virginia Beach Half Marathon as my training run just to see how it would be. And, um, and that was in September, and the marathon was November, and, um, and I completed it. Wow, wow. So then how did you transition from marathon running into triathlons? Once I, once I got to about, I started marathon, like I said, at about 50, and I ran, I ran about um, 
multiples a year. And um, so once I got about 58 um, uh, running marathons, I kind of, uh, I think I had accomplished a lot of goals running marathons. Um, my favorite marathon is Marine Corps. And uh, if we run it this year, this would be my eighth. And um, so I had kind of wanted to branch out and do something different. And I was talking to some uh, some other older guys, you know, because as we get older, we you know, we lose a little bit muscle. Mm-hmm. The knees and other areas of your body, you know, have a little bit more pain, get a little bit more long to recover. And um, and just so happened one year, my brother, when I was sitting he gave me a bike, and I started riding the bike. It was only just a little regular $100 Walmart bike. And uh, and I started riding the bike, and I started meeting some people, and uh, they was riding way more faster than me. I tried to figure out why. <laughs> so they had <laughs> so they had a road bike, so I figured, okay, let me get me a faster bike so I can keep up. <laughs> And uh, I started riding a bike. Next day I know somebody invited me to go swim. And then, you know, you start swimming. I hadn't swim in like 40 years, but I didn't know how to swim, but it felt like I didn't. And um, next thing I know, uh, I'm in uh, open water trying to do a 300-meter triathlon one day. And uh, it was a struggle. And um, I almost quit and never done it again. But I met um, a young lady there, and, and she came in after me. She was like, oh, you've done very good. It made me feel good. But the main reason why I went into triathlon was to was to uh, put some cross-training on the bike. Yeah. Because I wanted to save my body. I wanted to get less time on the pavement, you know, all those miles over time. And uh, it just led me to that. Then once I got into trying, it was like a brand new thing for me that I could attack. Now, was your family supportive of you with all that training? Because marathon training takes a lot, granted. Yes, yes. And the, the blessing for me is, is, you know, some folks are like, we started late at life because I really just started doing all those stuff I was 50. And the benefit of that is I raised all my kids uh you know, all of them out the house, all of my professionals. So I had no need, and my wife is, you know, she's um, retired. And um, so when you have to do all of this training, you have to do all this other stuff. Uh, you know, I don't, I didn't have the thing of like so some folks with um, with Child their families mm-hmm. and their kids, you know, and doing this and that and the sports. I, you know, I've been there, done that, had it all out the way. So starting later in life was a benefit. wonderful things but you're also an ambassador for my clothing brand BU for Life Apparel and yes, you're the lead for the racing team so I, yours are so special yeah. um, to me you. <laughs> because you have so many roles <laughs> in my life as Thank well um, but one of the things that we had planned this year was all of these events and Rona changed all of that yes how has Rona impacted your personal training. Granted that now you're you're in that age bracket where everyone should be saying, you know, stay home. You're in that, you know, over yes. you know, sixty. So yes. what do you think yes. about all of this and how have you um cared for yourself, taken precautions, but also stayed active? The first week of February, um uh, I, I I went to church that weekend. I went to um 
one of our uh, family members, she's a pastor, and she was preaching. She had invited uh, my niece and I to church to come hear her. And I went. I felt a little apprehensive, um, but I went because, like you said, they said seniors. And when I heard seniors, I was thinking 65, 70, 80. Right. But they were saying seniors were 60-plus, and I'm 61. I'll be 62 in a couple of months. So I'm like, that includes me. Right. But I was apprehensive about going, but I was like, she invited us to church, so let me go and listen and uh, and get the word from her. And um, and so we went, and the thing about that particular morning is that particular church, they do the physical greeting where they stop in the middle of the service in the morning, everybody walk around, everybody hug, everybody shake hands and all that type of thing. And I personally had taken this Rona thing personally, and I didn't get out of my seat. People came, and I extended my hand. I let them shook it, but I didn't get out of my seat. I didn't walk around. Right after the service, I went straight to the bathroom, probably washed my hands about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after that, I was like, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to play this by, by the way I'm supposed to play it, the way they say you're supposed to play it. And um, and after that particular Sunday, after the first Sunday in March, I kind of locked it down then. And then for me, uh, most most people will realize uh, what they see on Facebook and on social media and what they see at races. Uh, that's kind of a, a different me, but the real me is uh, uh, introvert. Mm-hmm. So we had to converse to be at home all the time and not be around people. That's like normal for me. <laughs> I agree with you. Because other than training, other than being with my grandkids and um, on going on a weekend um, brewing or something like that, 80% of the time I'm sitting right here at home anyway. Uh, uh, but we are close to my family. My family come over and we do family stuff. And, um, and that's the hardest part for me is uh, because I am the oldest grandkid in my family. Um, you know, it, it, us in the African-American community, we have all these cousins and all of that. Yes, and I am the old, And I am the oldest, and it's kind of hard, you know, to tell, because my younger cousins, a lot of them are still living their best life. Mm. And so, so I told all of them, uh, I got y'all to take this front of my house, and none of y'all come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> not even my daughter. You know, because she, as a matter of fact, after the Rona came out, she took a trip to Miami and was had a ball. Bless her heart. But I was like, sugar, you can't come visit your daddy. I know that's right. <laughs> Stay away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I've been, I've been, I've been um, playing the space, and I still get all my training in, other than swimming, uh, because I was swimming at the Y, and now of course the Y pool is closed. But uh, I run in my neighborhood. I call them the Hood Run. Every run I do, I tag Hood Run. I run solo, and that's nothing new because ninety percent of the time I always train by myself. Me too. Uh, for for triathlon and running, and because uh, my philosophy always was: when you go to a race, you're racing alone. You're not running with people. You're not riding for groups. So my runs, I think I had to do because I always was training for a, a run or something like that. Okay. And if I want to go and just have exercise and have fun with people, we can just go for a run. But when I'm training, training, it was all always solo, so that was nothing new. And I try not to go no more than about a mile and a half from my house. If you loop enough, if you go back and forth enough, you can get it in. It depends on what you want to do. Okay, okay. So training is definitely still important for you, and it's still a great yeah. part of you, so is family. 
Yes, I have. I, I still change my. Even though I know uh, my heart tells me that we would not have a race, probably no more this year. Not traditional races that we used to do. But uh, I still change my training plan like we race the next weekend. Nothing changes, and um, and that is to like like we say here in DU focus. Focus. That's to keep the focus. Like yes. I said, in BU, we say uh, we push through. Yes, we that's do. To push that, and that's to keep pushing through because um, life changes, things changes. But one thing you can't control is you. And um, I try to control my training other than the swim portion. And when it warm up and the lake get a little warmer, believe me, I'm going to be out there in the lake swimming. Then I get all three of my events in. Okay. So in terms of um, encouraging yourself, what do you... Have has this Corona situation gotten you down at all, or are you still in high spirits, or how are you encouraging yourself to keep going, and how would you encourage others listening to this podcast to encourage them to keep going? Well, well, well you know, haven't um, uh, haven't gotten me down uh, in in it at all. I must say, and uh, the reason being, first of all, is my faith. Um, I go by. And that is so interesting because I know I've had conversations in the past with people who say, you know, let's just be in the church and let's always congregate in the church. And for me, I've always lived the life of taking the church outside (laughs) of these walls and living the life that you claim you are as a Christian, because they should be able to see that you're a Christian by the way that you are and how you interact with people versus what the Bible's verses that you can, you know, spew on call. when I burst it a hit, what's the first thing you used to do? Are you going to run away and you going to pick up the phone and call uh, Becky and John and Jill? Or you going to go to what you what you heard the pastor say every Sunday and he gave the word? Because the Bible tells you everything to do for every situation. Yes. So you know that the, the, the solution already is there. But so you just have the choice which way you're going to go. So when Dorona hit, uh, it really, really, really made me focus. And and I was telling someone the other day, I was like, you know what? Um, a lot of people are dying from this. But yes. I was like, you know, those of us, uh, whoever survives, uh, a lot of people are going to be going to have a renewed commitment to life. A lot of people spending time with their kids they they've been before. A lot of people spending time with their spouses they've been before. A lot of people probably picking up the word in the morning saying a prayer they did before. Right. You know, people doing a lot of things now that they never did before or they never took the time before because we thought we were so busy. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, man, the good Lord just sit us down and say, be still. Be still and listen. Now, mm. you know, if you're doing the right thing, you don't have no choice but just be still and listen. And if you be still and listen, there should be some type of wisdom that you're getting from that. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So much, uh, so many things that, uh, like, folks tell me, but, you know, social media, a lot, this and that, because, like, sometimes I just be sitting here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when the pastors preach, they always say, you know, you know, the Lord told me this and the Lord tell me that. I don't use that. But it's so much that's come to me. Yeah. And, and I think it's selfish of me just to hold it for myself. 
because um, if it's 4,000 people out there and one person pick it up and then, you know, one person see you much later on in a race and was like, you know, one day you posted something and it, it so changed my day. And that's, and that's the reason why, it, like, um, when I... When I first started, and um, you know, it was kind of just like a thing. And uh, but then when I started meeting people out there, and uh, at races, at events here and there, and sometimes you know you meet local people you haven't seen, but they can tell you about things that you said and what it meant to them, and, and it's hard might help them in a certain, yeah. certain way. So then it became to a certain point. I was like, well, you know what, man, I couldn't stop even if I tried because. Uh, Sometimes, not sometimes, but a lot of times, I feel like I am um, doing this mission for the Amen. Lord more than I do even by going to church. That's your calling. You know, just, just, just the audience, you know, that type of thing. One of the things that I really love about you is the fact that you're such a positive person. I mean, we've had many conversations where I've come to you in utter frustration over some things, and your response has always been very calm and and always telling me to, you know, think of the positives. And that's one of the things or one of the tenets that I've embraced this year for the group is to only think positive, only focus on the positives. Otherwise, you get entrapped with other things. Yeah, it had to grow. It had to do with you know my upbringing and the way I grew up because um, um, you know I look, you know when I look back you know I look say you know I grew up with like nothing because I grew up very rural uh, living in a home um, you know with no running water no lights or nothing like that and um, you know if you want to say like somebody sing a song you know sung the song to say you know you started with nothing or something like that. And and each day um, that my life, even when I was a little kid, you had to be positive because if you were focused on how you was living, um, you know, I, I, I might want to jump off the roof. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, that's the only thing to do every day is, you know, it's just try to be positive and get through that day or try to get through that month. And um, and somehow that thing to work and actually just carry, carry it forward. So when adversity has come up or something come up, um, I just revert back to the way I grew up because it seemed to work for me best. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Staying positive, I think, has such emotional and mental benefits outside of just saying it because it keeps you calm. And your responses yeah, yeah. are different than if you're always you know, ready to get with someone or ready to pounce back. And, and that's one of the things that you've taught me to do is don't pounce back, just be you and keep it keep it moving basically keep yes, doing yes, what you're yes. doing yes 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 um, um like even my wife um, um you know her name is barbara but you know everybody knows i reference her as the, the general. general oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't understand why i use that term it, it, it is not you know when you say that term a lot of people you know the general always the person in charge calling all the shots isn't that correct but um, that's not why I call her that. Like, if you've ever seen the movie um, Black Panther? Yes. Have you seen it? Yes, yeah, of course. you ever seen the movie Black Panther um, in one of the scenes when, uh, uh, when all the traps were getting ready to fight to go against each other, uh, when they was on the battlefield? And uh, remember the one, um, I forget her name, but the one they used to call the general. Yes. And and, and um, um, the guy was her, I guess they were Nate's boyfriend. Her Mr. husband, Ryan yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's going to take uh, him out. And, yes, and, the, and, and see, I watch movies. When I watch movies, I try to get that type, get symbols, get things out of it, mm-hmm. light things out of it. 
And that particular uh, character, her boyfriend, uh, like I'm, I'm a Sigma. And that particular group, a lot of people rest, reference him as being a Sigma. And um, so, uh, and he was getting ready to attack the other tribe, his brothers. And if you remember, when the rhino was running, she raised up the staff and, and, and he stopped the rhino right in his track and he got off and stopped what he was doing. And so he, man, yeah, he went to her <laughs> and said, would you, would you fight me over this? And she was like, yes. Yeah, and for me, that symbolizes a lot of time I try to like, you know, make the wrong moves or do the wrong things. But uh, she was always the one to raise this to have a like, nope. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so after I saw that movie, that's why I stopped referencing her as the general, not oh. because she was like, you know, yeah, that's, that's where it really comes from. No one, you know, if I've never told no one, that's where it comes from. Uh, that, okay, because I thought that was just something that you've always referenced her as the general. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. that's beautiful. So really quickly, you mentioned um, a, a piece of you that I neglected in your introduction, and you said you're a Sigma. Uh-huh. Please share um, with us you being a Sigma in terms of the brotherhood. I think it's very important for everyone to understand that that is a significant part of who you are as well. Yes. Like I said, I'm a cousin younger than me. And um, he was, um, was a stigma. He went to uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. We talked about it even before he plays and I plays. We always talked about it um, growing up because he had knew some people and whatnot. And so, um, so when he plays at BCU, I used to, I used to go down and visit and whatnot, and because um, when I was in college, I didn't get to play at undergrad because um, I was in ROTC in the military and doing the military thing, going to school to be an officer. And um, during my sophomore year, I think it was my sophomore year, or my junior year, I can't remember, um, two fraternities was pledging some um, the social fraternities, not Greek fraternities. Two fraternities were pledging some... Uh, doing some pledges, and one night, um, they, one night they had some pledges to go out in the river and trying to swim from one side to the other. And um, and a girl and a guy died that particular night. They drowned. Oh and, um, and so my last, it was either my last two years of college or something like that, there was no pledging. So I ended up pledging grad chapter. Okay. And, and I, I always knew I had wanted to be a stigma just based on the guys I knew at college. Um, um, we was always tight. I always uh, spent a lot of time with them. And then I found out um, and I learned um, um, the brotherhood of Sigma and what the Sigmas really, really represent. Can you please um, share with us the full name of the Sigma? Because we keep saying Sigma as the, you know, short, but... For, for people who, are, who don't understand black fraternities, can you just mm-hmm. say the full name and the philosophy behind being a Sigma? It, it, people might see, you know, uh, uh, even for you, when I own a lot of your clothes, I always get it uh, in blue and white. And in blue and white, so it's the significance of uh, my fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma. Yes. I love what we represented, in which was culture for service and service for, for mm. humanity. Because that reminded me so much of, you know, how I grew up, the culture, the brotherhood, and the service, and, and humanity represent, you know, the community right. and doing things for the community. And you're also part of the Black Men Run as well. Yes, I am. 
Okay, can you share with us a little bit about that? And matter of fact, I think I was doing the uh, hot chocolate Atlanta race. I think I'm not sure. And I saw the brotherhood, and it reminded me of uh, you know I'm a I'm a I'm a sigma Phi Beta Sigma Phi Beta Sigma, and it reminded me of our brotherhood. And when I got back, I um, went to the computer to acquire. And, and, you know, to see what it was all about. And I found out that they had uh, a chapter, my closest chapter, they had a chapter in D.C. And uh, I work in D.C., but I live in south of Richmond. So um, so I joined the Black Men Run Washington, D.C. chapter without even meeting any of the brothers or anything. And um, so I started going up and uh, meet them for training runs and races. And, and, and then over the years, we have just developed a, a good relationship around the whole country from the different chapters. So that's what my blue and white thing is all about. I love my blue and white family. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hearing some wonderful themes between your childhood and even your adulthood in terms of the significance of family. Um, in terms of that being an anchor for how you've modeled yourself as a man, in terms of being humble, um, being appreciative for everything and, and the love that you have for everyone, looking at your you pledging as a sigma, again, going back to the brotherhood and the closeness of your family. Um, and I just think that's just such a, a wonderful theme um, to see as a black man, especially in the media, when we look at... Um, how black men are typically portrayed. Um, it's so wonderful to see people like you and others, especially in the black running community, um, of, of how you guys are the norms that we have. The level of expectation has risen high for black men. You know, I'm pretty sure when this, um, when this is, after get everything put together and folks get a chance to listen to it, uh, we still would be under what we call home, if you want to call it home restriction, or if you want to call, some people call it lockdown, uh, that reference to what we are going through. And um, But again, I see it as a renewal of families. I see it as a renewal of, love, of, of, of relationships. I see it as a renewal and a refocus of people for themselves because we as each individual, we we have a lot to work on our own self. Exactly. And, and, um, and when I had the change in my life, uh, my change came from when um, it was a whole it was 13 month period in my life when the only thing I could concentrate on was me. Uh, uh, I couldn't concentrate on my family. I couldn't concentrate on my, my friends. I couldn't concentrate on work. I couldn't concentrate. I, 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 only thing I could concentrate on me and, and my, my relationship. And um, at the end of the 13 months, um, uh, that was a renewed me. And that's going to happen to a lot of people during this particular time. Because, you know, a lot of folks, because now you can't go out and be with your friends. You can't go out to the restaurants. You can't do it. If you follow the rules and you want to live, you can't do those things. So you have to sit at home and, and why not take that time and work on you physically, mentally, and spiritually. That is a nice ending. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time for this conversation to be had um, best wishes to you and your continued training. Tell the general 
I said, what's up? <laughs> I sure will. <laughs> And, around the corner <laughs> <laughs> and maybe next time I'll do a, a, a couples interview where she'll really give us a skinny on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but again, God bless and thank you so much for being available for this interview.